Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 117. I'm your host Klaus Nightbringer, and before we get started tonight, I would like to uh, start by uh, commenting on something that's been happening in the world the last few weeks. And I want to thank Sarah for putting this uh, these wise words together. We're living in a strange and difficult times. Many of you are living in areas that are under shelter in place or lockdown orders. Some of you have loved ones who are especially at risk of this disease. Uh, some of you are at risk of the disease yourselves. Some of you have lost your job temporarily or permanently, but everyone is suffering in some way or another. We here at Phoenix Down Radio are committed to helping foster the communities and friendships that will help support us all through dark times. To that end, we're going to do what we can to keep bringing you fun and engaging discussions about the games that we love and to provide a space for you to receive the support that you need in whatever form that takes. We encourage all of you, and especially those of you who need a little more help right now, to reach out to us. Between shows, you can stop by any of the gaming streams on Twitch, join us in our Discord, message us on Twitter, or drop us a line using links on our website. Our resident librarian, Sarah, has been compiling links to various resources and information about weathering this crisis that he's very happy to provide. And those who don't want a respite from the outside world, we're happy to talk, play games, or otherwise do what we can to come together as a community in times of need. And with that, I am joined this week by our resident librarian, Sarah Timono. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Surviving. <laughs> Thank you for putting that together. I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Like, I know there's a lot going on for a lot of different people. We don't know what's going to be happening. And it's just a lot of people coming together, trying to keep that sense of community. That's the thing that's really been helping out people a lot. I've seen yeah, and we are also joined by the uh, third most uh, interesting potato on the planet. Um, he's dropping in rank every week. Tal is marvelous. Wow. <laughs> I feel <laughs> okay with that, game. actually. I mean, yeah, no, third is fine. I, I can accept third. I mean, you're still doing interesting things. You've been driving four car, different cars this week. I've had four cars in the last month. I've worked for three different companies. He's out there braving the elements, <laughs> delivering groceries, which is actually pretty awesome. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. It's also a lot of work, but it some people can't get out, and I'm healthy, and I like driving, so it worked out. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually am on a uh, three-week furlough. Uh, they've closed down my place of work for the next three, at least three weeks, so uh, I'll be doing hopefully a little bit more Twitch streaming for you guys. Um, Sarah had mentioned uh, earlier that he is uh, currently um, working yeah, from so, home a little bit, but mostly. So, yeah, uh, I am very, very lucky in that I work for a government institution and have a very good union. Uh, so we're doing some amount of work from home. And also uh, I do continue to get my full pay through this. So I'm going to do what I can to try to spread some of that love around and provide some of that support just because I know I'm in a little bit better place for uh, at the moment. And like I said, we're all, we are all in this together. Um, we know that uh, having to deal with uh, these situations, you know, this this seems like a video game plot, doesn't it? 
It does. It does. Uh, yeah. It's very weird. It's been interesting looking at the parallels of this and that uh, that debuff from that World of Warcraft raid that wasn't supposed to leave the raid, but it did. <laughs> and ended up killing the, the entire world. 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 Like, they had to like, re- like roll the servers back like, a couple of weeks, and I'm like, uh, we don't have that option. How do no. we do this? Right? Yeah, this has been an interesting crash course in all sorts of epidemiology stuff. Yeah. Which is true. Fascinating and all, but real world case studies not usually the way we like to do this so uh, aside from those r- real world things that have been happening what have you guys been up to the, since the last episode uh so i let's see i did get my dark knight to 80 i finished off my uh black mage animal weapon and i am one of quiches and was number 16 on the server uh for the ishgard restoration ranking yeah. So you did a. You made a lot of quiche. Yeah. Also stew. Quiche and stew. We built this city on quiche and stew. We did basically. I made a lot of it too. I think I also made like. <laughs> Thanks, soundboard. That was that was for that terrible pun. We also, You're welcome. Did you also make a lot of pants and bookshelves? Um. I didn't do pants. I did have some extras of other things, so I made uh, some coveralls. That was the leather one, say? Yeah, leather worker. Yeah, I made a batch of overalls. Uh, I did not end up making beds because I was... I act, Several people I know ended up doing this, got into a trading relationship with uh, one or two other people. In my case, it was with an armorer and a weaver, and so we were just trading materials that we each needed. That's kind of the best way I discovered when I was gathering is it's like, hey, you do this and I'll do this and then I'll give you all of this stuff and then you give me all of that stuff. And then when we're done, we just market board the rest of it to make up for crystals that we used. Yep. Yeah. In terms of the gathering, the way the diadem was set up, it seemed most efficient to just hit every no. Yeah. It really did. Like, I mean, normally we're like, oh, I'm not going to waste my power up. I'm not going to waste my skills. I'm not going to waste my nah, screw it, whatever. How many, how many Grand Company seals do you really have? Just buy some cordials. You'll be fine. Yeah. No, I have like 500 uh, cordials because I, or high cordials, uh, because I was like, what do I do with my yellow gatherer script a while ago? Mm, yeah. Fair enough. And then, yeah, hit every node, gather as much stuff as you can, and just do those trading relationships. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, that and the other things that we got in 5.21 a little bit later on in the show. But, um, and as far as what I was up to, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but I went to the cities uh, last weekend, you know, before everything decided to close down. Yeah. Um, like the concert was, was postponed until um, October, but uh, I still had the hotel reservation and I couldn't really give that up without losing the, uh, the certificate that I'd used. So I figured, screw it. I'm just going to go anyway. Nice new hotel. Everything was nice and clean. So there was no worries there. Um, had an amazing Wagyu burger at a burger place that's attached to the hotel. Ooh. It was really good. Had a bacon jam. Oh, Mm. bacon jam is so good. Yeah. Uh, homemade, um, kettle chips. Just wonderful. And, uh, it's nice. The, um, I was able to get my last uh, experience at a, uh, tap room before they closed them all. Um, the Fulton tap room is like a half a block away from the hotel. So really, really fun weekend for me. 
nice. Dude, that's awesome. I'm glad I was able yeah. to get out before everything went to shit and closed. So, um, because with everything, you know, a lot has happened since the last episode. You know, all of our lives have been affected by this pandemic. Um, while we have seen some of the bad things, you know, the sickness, panic, greed, you know, taking all the TP, yep, <laughs> and things like that. Uh. And I, then they got smacked down pretty hard, at least. Um, yeah, I have actually been uh, focusing and seeing a lot of good uh, that's been going on out there. Things like neighbors helping neighbors, strangers reaching out to help those in need, uh, and friends reaching out to friends to make sure that they're okay during this frightening time. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally would like to focus on the good things that have been happening, and I really want all of you to reach out to us and tell us some of the good things you've seen in the community. It can be something like that you did to help a friend, something a friend did to help you, or something that you saw or read about that really touched your heart. Uh, help us spread some love and positivity to help get through this uh, tough time together. What I'd like you guys to do is tweet your story to us at PHXDN Radio with the hashtag PhoenixDownPickMeUp. And with that, we're going to pick three entries from that to win a Phoenix Down keychain from the lovely people over at Loot Cave, as well as some stickers and other swag from us here at Phoenix Down Radio. Now, we're going to announce a winner for that in four weeks, so April 18th. Um, but because this is physical shipping, we're going to limit the entries to U.S. and Canada where allowed by law. So again, a tweet at PHXDN Radio with hashtag Phoenix Down Pick Me Up um, with a story that uh, either of you helping somebody, somebody helping you, or something you saw or read that really touched your heart. And we look forward to reading your entries. We're going to read all the entries that we get on that episode and announce the winners then. So we want to hear from you guys. We really do. I saw the picture of the keychain. Those things are very sparkly. They're They're really gorgeous. Uh, Loot Cave Mm -hmm. does an amazing job. Thank you to them uh, for uh, helping us to get uh, a few of those. Uh, I was able to order four of them. I kept one because they're really nice, and we're giving the other three away to you guys. Perfect. Seems reasonable. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into some game and community news. Just like Final Fantasy XIV, the team over at Final Fantasy VII Remake is releasing a behind-the-scenes video series. So uh, episode one was just released a few days ago. A link to that in the Twitch chat will also be in the show notes for those of you listening out on the podcast. Um, a little bit, uh, they're just basically t- talking about uh, what is this one about? Bring it up without playing. Okay, uh, this one is basically it's an introduction to um, what they what they're doing with the remake. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have time to watch the entire entirety of it. It's a twenty-two minute video, so. When you get a chance, I would say if, if you want something to watch, go ahead and give it a look. You know, Square Enix has been doing a really good job of being open with their uh, their creative processes in their games. And it's really nice yeah. to see. It's a huge change from, I remember because we were talking about Final Fantasy XI earlier, how much it would be very secretive, very, we want very tight control over this. And it definitely seems like they've had a lot of change in attitudes about that, yeah. which really helps for that uh, customer engagement. Even the eleven well, team now has, has changed their tune on this. They had to because they were like, I mean, they're, what did we figure out? 80,000 active subs or something ridiculous, like crazy small numbers. 
So they got to do something to bring people back. And if if they're going to earn that by me saying, hey, there's a new thing in this. We added this feature and like the newsletter, I get one every month. And there's constantly things being added to a 20 year old game. That outreach is helping so much with player retention. And I also wonder how much of this is due to uh, Yoshida being in charge of the business division that he is in, that he's running. Was it three that he's in charge of right now? Which is not sure. it oversees uh, the MMOs and, and a few other games as well. So because it works so well with fourteen, it's like maybe he's mandating that that all those games are open yeah. in the same way. Or or even if it's working well, others might be seeing it and being like, "Hey, this is maybe a good way to go about it." Very true. And sometimes you lead by example. Because I'm very happy that he's doing so because it's definitely changed the MMO landscape for the better. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if you guys uh, saw that there's a number of new uh, screenshots from the Final Fantasy VII Remake um, of a lot of the new side characters, uh, things at the Honey Bee Inn and other places at uh, Wall Market. I love that they're showing us all of the background stuff, not just here's the characters you know and love that even non-players can recognize at this point. It's like, no, here's all the weird stuff. Here's yeah. all the B-side characters. Here's all the stuff that only the super fans are going to recognize because it makes people so excited for this game. Yeah. They gave some names to some of the characters that uh, were in the previous game, but they were just like Shopkeep or Old Lady or something like that. Right. Um, like we, we got the full-size renders of Sang and Don Corneo, which we're all very familiar with. Um, God, Don Corneo is great. He's got that creepy vibe that the character really needed to have. Yes. He's so good. He's got that creepy swagger. It's it's so funny. Um, but we also... I started just looking at him. That whole sentence is a problem. I like it. <laughs> we also yeah. uh, get Madam M, who runs the massage parlor in Walmart, but also helps to approve uh, women for Don Corneo. Then there's old Chocobo Sam. He is the owner of the Chocobo Hut and Sam's delivery service. Um, he also helps approve Carneo's brides to be. We see one of uh, Don Carneo's younger uh, um, workers, Leslie Kyle, and then also the owner of the Honey Bee Inn, Andrea Rodea. They've added definitely a lot more personality. The fact that all these are involved with the bride process seems to suggest that it's going to be a little bit more of a complex thing as well. Well, I am. I li- hope. Uh, I hope so. It's a fun quest. Mm-hmm. It looks like, uh, yeah, it's well. They also had to get more in depth since this entire game is, centers around Midgar, right? A, a part that was about it, you could speed through it in what six to eight hours on the original. I'm not sure. It's been a while, but that sounds an, plausible. An average playthrough is something like six. A slow is like eight or nine. A speed run is like ten minutes or something. Yeah, exactly. Insane, like I mean, that doesn't count. If you're going fast, fast, maybe four and a half. But no, this is going to be 50 to 60 hours in Midgar. Which means definitely you're going to need some additional content and not just padding. And as Grimhelm just said, the whole Midgar section seems to have been massively expanded. Adding content they claim was scrapped in the original. Yeah. And that makes sense because, I mean, there was so much to the original game that they had to cut somewhere. Otherwise, it would probably been uh, five, six discs instead of the, the four, that we, three, three that we got. Even though disc three was mainly just the Northern Cavern, but. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, uh, a British TV show where they had 
they made a really like crappy set piece for one of their ships in space and that ship actually broke so when they needed to go back to it in later seasons they're like well let's make a new one but now we have money we don't have to make the crappy one let's make a bigger more elaborate one and they wrote it into the show as these were the original designs that we then trimmed back for budget reasons into what you used to see Mm. and so like they wrote it in where it's like we have this huge thing we just couldn't reasonably do it so we did this little cheap janky thing in reality it was we made a model in 1987 versus we had cg in 2005 but in the show it made sense to have that advancement and here we are in the real world going do you want to buy a five cd game in 1997 or do we want to have to trim something to make it more budget friendly I remember 8 having 4 and it starting to feel a little ridiculous. Yeah. And then you start playing the card games and you're like, dude, you could have like cut an entire disc out if you got rid of Triple Triad and a lot of the other janky stuff. What? Triple Triad! But fighting dinosaurs! I have to go with Sarah on this one. I like Triple Triad. I don't <laughs> think it was the best decision. I think they got lucky. Uh, continuing on, we also get some information on some of the other attractions in Midgard. Um, we get the Corneo Coliseum, which is an underground fighting arena in the wall market. Uh, and you can earn rewards for winning fights there. It kind of makes sense. If he's that much of a player in wall market, he needs to be actually doing stuff and not just hanging out in his love layer. Um, there's also going to be the Honeybee Inn, which is the nightclub, but uh, customers can purchase elaborate rooms. Now, does this mean we get a player housing kind of thing where we can build up something in our save game? Or is this just we can rent it every once in a while and have a, an oh, interesting oh, oh. experience? Do you remember like the Breath of Fire games where you would have the fairy village that you could build up? No. Did you play so, Fallout 4? No. Sure. There's lots of games like that where it's like you get a little village, you can like invite people to it. It can generate resources, you can develop it in various ways. So what if we have our own stable of babies (laughs) and we can send them out to work the markets and I think that just jumped the game's rating up to an M. Yeah. Sarah, you're not supposed to give away the plot of the next Yakuza game during this podcast. (laughs) Okay, real talk, One t- <laughs> during college when I was watching Neon Genesis Evangelion for the first time with a bunch of friends, I started just making up the most random shit I could think of, and the person next to me said, hey, don't spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet. It's a trap! I mean, it is Hideaki Anno. He wrote some weird stuff. It was the, like, I was just trying to make up weird shitposty stuff, and it turned out to be accurate! His mom is made of orange juice. Hey, don't spoil it for people. <laughs> hey, we're gonna get back to Ava later, though. Yeah, we'll get back to Moving that. on. Oh, no. Oh. <sighs> you are anyway. technically correct. <laughs> we- so, after Besides the Honeybee Inn, which is definitely not a prostitute fairy village. We also get the Beginner's Hall. Uh, what, uh, the first floor is a weapon shop, but the second floor has the hideout. Um, and then we also get a jukebox. Um, players can find music discs from shops and uh, locales, locales around town and play at the 7th Heaven. You know, Kind of like the Orchestrian 14 or the radio 
in the regalia from 15. Ooh. I'm actually, I'm happy about that. I wonder what, uh, is it all going to be um, seven style music? Are we going to get throwbacks to other games? I mean, I remember FF15's radio having all the different uh, tracks for lots of different games. Yep, they did have a lot of the other games. I drove around to Final Fantasy V music for a lot of that game. Seems fair. <laughs> Grim Helm, you get a car drive around listening to music between fishing trips. Yes. I, I yeah. am fine with playing it that way. A lot of people did. I am Noctis, king of fishing, or whatever the line was. God, that was good. Um, <laughs> now, with everything that's been going on, the game is still scheduled to release on April 10th. But uh, due to COVID-19, um, it may delay the arrival of physical versions for a number of players. And uh, Square Enix's uh, um, the CEO from for the uh, EU and NA regions did uh, come up with a... Uh, um, a whole news article or a press release that um, explaining, you know, while, you know, this is an unprecedented thing, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that uh, players are able to play the game um, as soon as they can. Um, yeah. You know, but a lot of it's like, it's out of their hands. It really, at that point, once they ship it to the, uh, the retailers, um, the distributors, yeah, you know, with places like GameStop now closing, you know, they're no longer essential. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to close, though. No. That, that, that's I, I a, that's a whole nother podcast, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I get why, but not a great move. No. Whatever. Moving on. Moving um, on. But, yeah, with a lot of brick-and-mortar places closing, um, unless you or- ordered the digital version or got it from somewhere else like Amazon or somebody that's going to ship it to you, you may have difficulty getting it day one, depending on how things are at in the world at that time so i hope to get my copy i mean i will be okay if i have to wait a day or two but it is what it is i mean like i said this is an unprecedented thing that we're experiencing right now and uh we can just hope for the best everyone's just kind of playing it by ear at this let's all just hang out in our basements and uh play final fantasy we will figure it out yes uh, Final Fantasy fourteen news. Uh, parts three and four of the behind the scenes of Shadowbringers are live on YouTube. Let me uh, copy paste those for you guys. Oh, those are so much fun. I had time to watch the first one and I was like, this is incredible. Yes. Uh, for those of you who like uh, design of uh, characters and um, glamour, uh, part three, shaping the styles is right up your alley. Um, I watched the first half of that, and it's really interesting to see, you know, a little bit of the design process and their thoughts um, when creating NPCs or the gear that we wear. Um, and then part four is making the monsters. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of design pro- thought and uh, going into the process of making the creatures that we fight. And seeing what their thoughts are on that is really, really interesting. So, again, uh, I do recommend you go out and take a look at those. Um, well produced. Make sure your uh, closed captions are on unless you do know Japanese. Because it is Japanese-only audio. But uh, the subtitles are very good. See? Subbed over dubbed. 
Mm. <laughs> enjoy the content over not enjoy the content. Um, but speaking of COVID-19 stuff, uh, Final Fantasy XIV's NA support centers are closed down. Um, I'm going to post the link to the Lodestone message, but uh, due to recent orders issued by the County of Los Angeles and State of California, we have decided to temporarily close phone, chat, and in-game support until further notice. Email support will be available, but please understand that there may be a delay in response. While we understand that this will be an inconvenience to our customers, please rest assured that our teams have plans in place to resume customer support and service as soon as possible. So basically, everybody, please be nice in-game. Don't, you know, because it's, you know, you're not going to make a GM call right now. Um, Don't be a dick yeah, don't take advantage of, of, of the fact that, that that nobody's monitoring the game. I don't know if maybe there's somebody still, but probably not. I think there is some stuff. It's just like a little bit slower to respond. They do. Uh, it sounds like it's not necessarily the quick response that we would normally see. Yeah. But really, like when if it's in this state and you're still getting your jollies out of tormenting other people, like that just feels sociopathic. I mean. If it's if it's bad enough, you're, they're going to email it, and you're still going to get the ban hammer. So just don't be a dick, guys. Let's all play together. Let's all make this time the best we can. Right? Right. Exactly. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what we got uh, in patch 5.21. Um, I know you two did a lot with the uh, um, the, the Ishgard Restoration. Especially we Sarah. did a bunch. Yeah, Sarah, number sixteen culinary. Oh, look at Woo. me! <laughs> like I'm not, I max melded my gear. I've never done that before. And spent how oh, much on on materia? Uh, so about eight million in total. In part because I jumped around to other servers to find cheaper stuff, and I also crafted some script items in between. I was hitting it from multiple angles based on what I had the energy for. Fair enough. I've been, I still I've got been like fun bars, but yeah, I still got like eighty million. Plus, now I can make great food. I could probably make some. Woo! But uh, my cuisine reigns supreme, bitches. Wait, what? <laughs> where Where is your uh, bell pepper? Or or you prefer the apple? Uh, I'm more of the apple type. Bell peppers give me terrible gas. News you can use right there. Stop eating the green ones. Yeah, they're terrible. I don't know why people use them for anything. Anyway, um... <laughs> Sorry, man. It's just, they're bad. Yeah. Like, you didn't know you were walking into this. Fair enough. Um, so what are your thoughts on the really high-end uh, um, craftables? The recipes that are, like, a pain in the ass. I like them. I think it's really, really fun. They're hard. Yeah. Uh, they weren't kidding when they said they were going to be very difficult to craft. Yeah. I like that I, they're hard, but I like that they're the the good kind of difficult. Yeah. I They weren't as bad for me. Like, once I actually started figuring out reasonable strategies for how to approach it, I was able to finish my synth about 80% of the time, and about two-thirds of those I was able to max the quality. But I really... I'll admit, when I, I saw people freaking out, I like, wait, how do you macro it? And like, it's not macroable. And I giggled a little bit at it. 
it's very much something where a lot of the usual rules are suspended. I would get goods three times in a row. I would get sturdy to pliant to sturdy again to good to a run of door. Like, a lot of the usual, oh, you won't have this in a row or other things like that, completely suspended. You do have to respond to the conditions as they are and think about what you're doing. And it was really nice to have that. It was like an actual fun puzzle. Yeah, see, I think for me, the little bit that I tried for it, I didn't get very lucky in my uh, my procs. So I had a very low... Um, I, I couldn't even get it all the way up to uh, to finish the, the craft, let alone a, at a point where it can be turned in. Yeah. Like, yeah I, and I've got good gear. I just haven't... It's not 100% melded. I'd have to meld my main hands yet, but... Um, yeah. Like, uh, I've got... I tried it on a couple others with Culinarian where I'd have all of my, uh, like, clothing and accessories melted, but not the gear, uh, not the uh, tools. And that's doable, but a bit harder. Yeah. It's... And I was also using food and medication for that. Yeah, I hadn't used food or medication yet, and all of my um, left and right hands, right side stuff, minus the uh, main and off hand, it's all... Uh, I've got... It's melded with one or two overmelds as well. So, I mean, I've got decent gear. It's all HQ 460, I believe. Right. But, um, yeah, it's still really difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, it is yeah, it I... is still great for leveling up if you have not uh, gotten your your crafters to 80, though. The, the, oh, the yeah. entire system is wonderful for that, even since the they brought it out. The lower level recipes are quite doable. This kind of crazy insanity is just for the expert level stuff. And you can still get like your uh, scratch off tickets and a uh, decent amount of scripts without Delphi. Yeah. Just like the extra challenge stuff. What I'm really enjoying about this whole bit so far is actually Diadem. Yes, I said I'm enjoying Diadem. Oh my god, the Etheromagnetic Augur is so satisfying. Oh, the giant cannon of death. That thing is... Oh, it is fun. It, it is very, very pleasing to, sh to shoot a, an enemy and just turn it into like a hundred of some uh, random items. Yeah. Yeah, it's always great when you shoot. It's like 20, 20, 20, 20, and you're like, oh, awesome. I can make... You know, most of the crafts take 10 or whatever. So Five it's or like, 10, cool. yeah. Yeah, this now counts as two to... Yeah, Actually, getting the really? uh, the stuff for uh, crafting is is super easy now. Um, we were kind of talking about it a little bit uh, off the air and maybe a little bit in the pre-show, but uh, you just basically do your loops around the different islands, uh, wait for the weather to change, uh, and it brings up a special item each time the uh, with each different yeah. weather type. Um, the clouded gathering nodes. Yes, there's four of them with, with four different weathers. They're all based off of a different element. Two for mining, two for um, uh, botany. Yeah, fishing is a little bit weird. Uh, you catch a variety of fish, which can then be decent to get uh, pretty much any of the types of crafting items. I haven't used any of the, the fishing in Diadem at this point because... I have. I was having too much fun with the boat. <laughs> That's the fishing I liked. Ah, uh, yeah, ocean fishing's good stuff. But that was five point two, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. we 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 talked a little bit about that. I think in the last one of the last episodes. Yep. Um. 
I was imagining that when because everything that you get in the DDM you have to have inspected. I was actually anticipating that we would there would be a percentage lost, that not everything would convert over. Yeah, I would say that too. That way, it's not like I don't know. It's just, it would make sense if you got you know for every hundred, like eight or ten of them didn't work or something. Right. But how? But they... no, it... Go ahead. No, it seems that the main reason for that was to have a thing where they can evaluate the stuff and give you sky and then have marked, okay, this one's already been given points for that, so it doesn't give you points again. Which, which like, is As fair. best as I could tell, that's the main purpose of the uh, approved versions, is to have a, okay, this has been marked and you got points for it. And it sure beats having to go through and uh, get collectible versions of everything for it. Yeah, I know it was super approachable, uh, like really relaxing setting to do it. It feels And great. I mean, it's it's real easy way to get Skybuilder scripts. I mean, you can just run around DM for three hours, you know, have a bunch of things queued up in, in Netflix or Disney Plus. I mean, you can probably get through a half a season of uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah. In, in that no, time I, frame. I actually bought stuff using scripts. Like, I had so much unbought for the last one where I was like, eh, I'll get to it eventually. Eventually is now! <laughs> yeah, I ended up picking up a few of the minions, and then I have to, I still have to get the mounts, but yeah, I, I need to rebuild what I need. I got myself a parasol, and the ability to read books. God, I wish this was a persistent emote. I would be using this all the time. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, God, what, that looks good. What else do we get really in 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 five point two one? I mean, I think it was almost entirely Ishgard restoration, wasn't it? Let me take a look at the patch notes. Yeah, I, I really can't. I think there might have been a couple other quality of life things that might have come out, but yeah, I think for the most part it was just um, Diadem and uh, Ishgard. But it, I think that uh, they did a, a decent job of it. I had fun with it. I, a lot of my friends had fun with it. We stayed up late chatting and working on stuff, which, as the whole coronavirus thing was starting to go a bit nuts, it was nice to have this, hey, we're just going to do this, and it's nice. And My, my only issue is they didn't really um, address the, the big problem with the big fates at the end of each of the phases. Uh, yeah, looking through the notes, pretty much everything that was added was something with regards to the uh, Ishgard Restoration. Okay. Now, you guys remember how the when, when Ishgard Restoration first came out that you, you built up, you turned in items to further the bar, and once the bar got to a certain point, it would then start a countdown on a large-scale fate that would give you a number of uh, experience points and Sky Builders tomes, right? Yep, the concerted works. So that's still there, and it still happens at random times, and most people still can't do it. Unless you're really, really watching it. And that part yeah, they, was a little bit frustrating to me. I, one of them, I know that they actually down in Ishgard itself as well as the firmament, so you don't have to idle in the firmament. And they actually... <laughs> have stuff to kick you out if you're idling in the firmament now just so it doesn't get too crowded there yeah and if you yeah, zone out of the if you like get a, a queue pop in the firmament when you come back you're going to be in ish in uh, um the foundation instead of in the firmament yeah. right 
They but, did that on purpose because yeah. otherwise no, I, under, I understand so those parts are, are were, were fine fixes. Like I said, I'm I'm still kind of frustrated. I wish they had made it to once you hit a certain point, everybody then has the ability to go into like an instance or start up a quest that allows them to to do the the concerted works and be a, feel like they're a part of it. Yeah, I feel like they did want that kind of huge, large scale. Like, okay, everyone's coming together to raise the barn. It's just so tough to do that. I mean, when you're looking at an MMO and it's so... I mean, people are on it at such sporadic times. Right. It never seems to, to, to fit when everybody's playing. I mean, that that's understandable. I mean, because it's going 24-7, 365, except for maintenance. Right. Um that's why I was hoping that they would make something that that could be more inclusive for everybody. I mean, that's my only big complaint about it. They did make getting the scripts a little bit easier. And I yeah. think they reduced the reward that you get for the concerted works. It used to be a thousand, I thought. Yeah, it. I did participate in one of them. It was 500 this time. And because my crafters and gatherers are already maxed out, I didn't care about the experience points either. So I did one of them, but otherwise I didn't worry about it too much. I mean, that's my only major complaint is, is I wish they would make the concerted work something that everybody can can do once, you know, the work has been completed. Something that we can do, something that we can contribute, like the yeah. Ishgard restoration yeah. for the first round. Like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I went in, was like, cool. And then I talked to a bunch of NPCs and then I left. I didn't actually do anything for it. The only thing... I wanted to, I just... There's nothing to do. Yeah, all I did was 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 gathering for this bit because I looked at some of the uh, the requirements for the high level turn and stuff, and like I said, I tried to make like the bathtub or something like that. And holy shit, is that just insane? You know. Yeah, I think my first couple I got like just complete jacked up. So it's like, congratulations, you got an eighteen hundred quality. You can throw this away now. Right. Pretty much. And I was like, yeah. thanks. I very much got to be in my bonnet about it and went hardcore. I don't why. Because you're Sarah and that's what you do. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I'm with Klaus on that one. I, I can't but, argue. But we love you, so. I, that wasn't in doubt until you said that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's <laughs> basically the, the, the gist of patch 5.21. Yeah. Um, a little bit of other Final Fantasy news. This one I put in specifically for Talis. Uh, the uh, Final Fantasy uh, um, webpage did an interview. Uh, it, this is actually part nine of a, of a series of interviews with the uh, TCG uh, creators and uh, creative team. Uh, they did an interview with uh, the Final Fantasy the, uh, trading card game illustrator Isamu Kamikokurio. Now, I don't hope that I didn't slaughter that too badly. Uh, close enough. Um, but yeah, he's... He's one of the really cool artists. Uh, one of the things that we love about this game is that the art is different for every card. So where you might have something that says it's Squall, you go, okay, that's cool. Well, you have the Squall from Defu, you have the Squall from Eight, you have the Squall from like a, a mono art print, and they're all Squall, and they all work for S abilities, and they all have the same name, and they all trigger effects on every other card that's Eight-centric. But they're also all very unique art styles. So if you want to do a full Yoshitaka Amano style deck, 
you can. It won't do particularly well because it's not how TCGs work, but you, <laughs> but you can do it. You can also do, I know for World of Final Fantasy, there's two different versions of Lawn. For example, there's the Lilikin and there's the Giant version, and then there's multiple cards of each one. So seeing an actual interview, and I was skimming through it, uh, I missed this one. Thank you for linking it. He's showing this art, and he's like, here's what Pinello looks like. Here's what this judge looks like. And I'm going... Yeah, I would absolutely play that. I don't know what the effect is or what color it's in, but I definitely want to play that. Yeah, just that feels like something that would make it appeal to collectors as well. Yeah, I mean, it's if you've got collector. multiple versions of cards, I mean, people are going to want to collect all the different uh, renditions of it. I'm assuming that a lot of these are also going to be different rarities as well. Yes, we there's usually there's a standard, there's a foil, then there's a full art for some stuff. There's promos for some stuff. There's also starter deck cards that are only in starter decks. And then you can get foil versions of those cards in your booster packs as well. And I do remember seeing on some of them, it would be like, okay, this is Yuna. This is Yuna at a higher rarity. It's like, yes. Stuff like that. And it's also, you can see like the Yuna's, Yuna's actually a really good example. Um, the common Yuna's are things like backups and all your water summons cost one less. Or... It's another backup that costs one additional CP, has an EX burst where you get to go look for a summon. And then you get into the forward versions, which are things like dull this forward, cast a summon of cost three or less from your hand without paying for it. Okay, cool. Well, it's also a target now and it's easily destroyable, so it's more powerful. But then you look at that and like the backups are both commons. The forward is a rare. And then you start moving higher into the hero and the legend version. You start getting Gunner Yuna and you start getting all the YRP combo pieces versions of her. And those all still work with all of the crazy um, Tidus Waka combos. But you also get the benefits of her being a higher rare card. Lots to think about there. Um, also, at, fun. at the bottom of the article, there's a link to the previous eight interviews if you guys are interested in that. So definitely take a look if you're interested in the Final Fantasy trading card game and uh, some of the behind the scenes on that. So like I said, wanted to make sure that uh, Talas is included on these things too because he really it. loves uh, the TCG. They're just I too expensive for me. It is. Also, uh, Sarah, you're going to want to click on the second one for Ryoma Ito. Uh, that's definitely an art style that you will enjoy. Let's take a look here. And while you're taking a peek at that, um, the other thing that I noticed was uh, Mobius Final Fantasy is going to be making its way into the War of the Visions Japanese version. Um, so there's a collaboration event that's going to see the arrival of cards featuring Wall from both uh, Acts 1 and 2 of Mobius as well as a number of special missions. Um, now this it's is a will, little bittersweet. I mean, it's nice that they're not completely forgetting about the game. I mean, it, it had an interesting storyline. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm uh, happy for that. Just oh, oh, Brave, wow. oh, Brave Exvius shut down or whatever it, it was. No, oh, Mobius is Mobius. shutting down. Oh, Mobius? Okay. Yep. That's um, oh, right. Brave Exvius is staying. Mobius is shutting down. That's and, and this is this is about the the new um, War of the uh, Visions um Brave XVS game that's going to be coming out globally soon. Um, I think they hit another one of their little sign-up goals. Yeah, they hit the the three hundred thousand, or the one where you get where we're going to be getting um, Ishtola, and they added they, a, a new uh, one yeah. now that's quite a ways higher up. But um, I mean, if you're interested in this game, I believe it releases end of the month. 
That'll be a welcome distraction. Yeah, so if you if you like playing mobile games... Like, at this point, games, we're just stockpiling distractions, it feels like. <laughs> you are technically correct. The best kind <laughs> yes. of correct. Yep. Perfect. But, uh... <sighs> well, I mean, this is the time to do it. You know, if you have a mobile game that you like to play, you know, make sure you've got a good battery and just rock it out. Yep. For those of you who still have jobs, you're lucky. <laughs> Right. Keep doing what you do. Yeah. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention, just since we're talking about this briefly, every uh, shelter-in-place or lockdown order I've seen ha includes under the essential activities that you're allowed to go out for, going outside to exercise, walking, yes. running, hiking, things like that, as long as you're just maintaining a safe distance from others. Yeah, absolutely. So don't, don't just lock yourself in your house and don't come out at all. Um, and you know, and don't like think you have to Mad Max everything going in full uh, um, biohazard gear or something if you need to leave. Just play. It I mean, smart. if you want to, if if that's how you get your jollies, more power to you. I I did read somewhere that you know that you, this is the time now to figure out what kind of uh, post apocalyptic uh, uh, character you would be. So you know, dress <laughs> up, you know, either you'd be plague doctor or you know what whatever the all the different tropes are for it. So. Yeah, I, I was told I should start wearing my leather jacket and grab my uh, knee pads that I use for painting, and just wear goggles instead of sunglasses and just go outside and see what happens. With, with, with a can of uh, food safe chrome uh, spray. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Amazon for an unrelated purpose. Hang on. Witness me. <laughs> <sighs> well, I would hope that you wouldn't actually go get chrome paint, so. No, God, I'm crazy, not stupid. There's a difference. Uh, which was the one that I should look at, uh, Talis? Uh Number two, Ryoma Ito. He did the art for Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2. Oh, oh my gosh, that's adorable. Oh, wow. It's adorable. There's a ton of it, and the cards are insane. Huh. Oh, wow, that's an interesting style there. So yeah, it's a lot really interesting things. Go check those out. Uh, links will uh, are in the Twitch chat and will be in the show notes for those of you listening out on the podcast, uh, wherever you are. All right, so Sarah, I'm gonna make you take over this one since you spent uh, so much time working through it a couple weeks ago. And because I can actually say the name without flubbing. What? What? Because I just because I said sorrow of Warlip. That wasn't even the worst I, one. No, I know. <laughs> See, now it's a bit, and we're just going to keep going, and you know it. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. But yeah, given that we were talking about the stories behind the new content added in 5.2, we're going to be continuing that by discussing the Sorrow of Werelit uh, storyline. Uh, some of you may know as the weapons fights. So, actually, first question before we get into this, is it actually Werelit, or is it Verlit? Unclear. I'm not sure we've actually heard anyone say it in a voiced cutscene. Hmm, okay. Uh, I think Werelit, but I'm not certain. And it seems like it could be one of those Germanic words. Yeah. It just, it's... And I know that the lit is similar to what we saw, like, for instance, Dark, given that it's in this area crossing over into the Ilsebardian continent, uh... And also, given that it was at a place where it was like reasonably close to the front lines, such that they could launch uh, the weapon from the Magitech installation there, unclear at the moment. 
I think Werelit, I think I heard it said Werelit in like one of the streams or something like that, but I'm not certain. I'll go and check into that. Ha, made a mark. Uh, hey. <laughs> uh, so it starts off as part where before we get uh, proceed to uh, the first to deal with the situations there, we're summoned to the Royal Palace of Alamigo to hear about a new threat from the Garlean Empire. Uh, at the Royal Palace, Gaius reports on his recent foray into Garlemald with Estinian and the Empire's development weapon. Now we players remember that scene from the role-playing sequence where we were playing as the Azir Dragoon and fought against the Proto-Ultima that was loading various combat data throughout. Yeah, so it makes a good way to uh, introduce this information to our actual character, even though because we didn't actually get to experience it. Right. Mm -hmm. We, the players, know about it, but our character has not actually had the opportunity to learn about it yet. Now, Gaius himself is kind of surprised that research on the Ultima weapon continued in his absence. Uh, it was carried out by the 7th Legion. Uh, Gee, which surprise, was surprise, huh? Yeah, they're still around. Uh, Legatus... No, that is the 7th. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in that sense, yes. All the stuff that has the tiebacks to FF7 seems to involve that 7th Legion. We also remember that good old friend, the Meteor Project. Yeah, I, I now, think that that's actually really cool that they that they each of these different things that has a throwback to another game. It's tied to that legion. You've got the 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 twelfth uh, legion that did all of the stuff in um, Rebenaster, or and, the sixth legion that loading continent of law. Yep, so I I I think that that's clever. Um, and mm. but uh, it just yeah. It's a nice touch, yes. especially since for a lot of people who are playing this have played earlier Final Fantasies, appreciate callbacks. But wait, exactly. shouldn't the Floating Continent been the third Legion? Just kidding. Get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there is a question about who the current leadership of the Seventh is. It was a Bill Van Darnis, but uh, they are long gone. And who the leader, current leadership is and the driving force behind this project is a mystery. Uh, the Empire's withdrawal from the Gimlet Dark does seem to have been a prelude towards unleashing the first prototype, which even now is marching towards Eorzea. And so the Eorzean Alliance is left with no choice but to ask for the assistance of the Warrior of Light. We do proceed to the Alliance headquarters at the Gimlet Dark, where Gaius and his follower Severa tell us of their finding. The War Machina, named Ruby Weapon, seems to share the ability of the Ultima Weapon to absorb primals and incorporate their abilities. Gaius theorizes that Ruby Weapon may have been used to put down uprisings in Imperial territories by absorbing summoned entities, primals and uh, and in this case, it is granted the weapon powerful armor plating and whip-like claws that can be extended at will. We do have a brief scene cutting over to the Magitech installation at uh, Werelet in Garlean territory, where we see the ruby weapon launch. Among other things during this launch sequence, we learn that it is equipped with a synthetic orosite system and that it bears the code name Darnus. Uh... Hmm. The warrior, the warrior of light, and their comrades take to the field, encountering the ruby weapon at an area called the Cinder Drift. And there we face uh, the ruby weapon moves about at high speed as it deploys its claws to create a chaotic, shifting battlefield. 
Uh, the pilot of the ruby weapon seems amazed and overwhelmed at the speed and maneuverability of the weapon. They mention being still in control at one point. And the ruby weapon at various points uses attacks that are named after Nail Van Darnes's White Raven appellation. So there seems to be some kind of strange connection between it and on than we expect. All right. Now, kind of getting into the fight itself and the design of, of Ruby Weapon, what are your thoughts that uh, this is going to be uh, the design that they end up using in uh, the 7 Remake once that portion of the game comes out? I uh, I fully expect it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just have you you've played the 7 demo. We talked about that last yes. show, right? Mm -hmm. How much of that felt like you were playing 15? <laughs> or some of, the, that? some of the things that we saw in that reminded us of playing 14, like the, uh, the, the scorpion boss. Exactly. I was like, oh, dude, I've done this. Like, it flowed so well. Yeah, they're absolutely sharing assets. Which, I mean, I mean it, it's amazing and it's smart. It's so smart. I, I'm 100% down for did you make a box? Is it awesome? Can we use it in 360 degrees? Cool. Skin the shit out of it. Why it's didn't wood they... now. It's metal now. It's brick now. It doesn't matter. But why Do didn't it. they it's use the it. assets from 14 for a couple of the summons? I don't know. Hint, uh... hint, Carby. Oh, God. Car no. Carb Chokey Chick. I'm so sad that Carbuncle isn't in the 7 remake. You know, I'm just uh, so disappointed. Yeah, it's just some weird looking uh, yeah. thing instead. What weird looking thing? I didn't see anything like that. <laughs> there is no live action think... Avatar The Last Airbender. There is no war in Bossing Say. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hmm. I think it's time for us to go take a little relaxing trip to Lake Lao Gai. Maybe he needs to go to Tahiti. These bricks with... Carry these bricks with you, will you? <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to go to Tahiti? No. Uh... But anyway. yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, I'd mean... go to. I'd... Uh, no. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Moving on. But, but no, yeah, I would not. In answer to that question, yeah, I would also not be surprised if it's something where they're sharing a lot of the. I'm, I'm interested to see how how the fight works in seven though as well. Yeah, if it'll be something where we do fight it, if it's the remains an option type thing. Given they they've made a lot more of an effort to integrate stuff into the plot and have cohesive reasons for why all the various things happen. Uh, I would be surprised if they didn't have some type of thing involving the ruby weapon, but the particulars might change. Yeah, it won't be in this first version of the game, or the first part of the game, but it's going to be in a subsequent uh, uh, part of it. Right. Where, where, now, however we get it, uh, if it's going to be another whole game, if it's going to be DLC, we really aren't sure what the next, how they're going to give us the next bits. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. so. Returning to the Cinder Drift, uh, we pushed the ruby weapon to its limit, and backed into a corner, the pilot apologizes to unseen comrades before activating the machine's Oversoul system. Uh, people who have a lot of experience, for instance, with uh, the Dissidia games or other stuff like that may recognize uh, that term. And a few tense moments later, a mechanical voice announces, Darnus combat data ready, initiating organic core overwrite. I'll admit that I, at the moment I saw that, I was like, oh, no, that is never a good phrase. No. And uh, so remember, we we briefly referenced Hideaki Anno earlier. Yeah. I was like, uh, no, I'm not OK with this at all. The aim is coming alive. No, it yeah. should stop. It's going <laughs> to kill Toji. No, stop knocking it off. 
<sighs> the pilot's voice rings out again, this time almost panicked, and their screams of horror tell of a strange presence in their mind, seemingly overriding their thoughts and memories before they go silent. The weapon itself shudders and begins to crack open like an egg as a towering figure emerges. A feminine figure with spreading dragon wings that announces itself as Nail Van Darnus. Okay, okay, stop. How did Ooh. they get this info? That is actually one of the questions that is asked. It's unclear where that combat data came from. It's called out as a specific issue, which makes me suspect it's something they thought about, and there's going to be a horrifying answer for it. No, I mean, I, I was listening to Aetherite Radio. They were talking about this, I think, on the last Lorecast. Um, you know, we, we know where it's from as players. We know that this is turn nine. This is, you know, the uh, tempered version of Eula. Van Darnus. Sorry, spoilers for those of you who may not have done it, but this is old content. Yeah. Um, so, well, Eula posed as Nail. Uh, if you haven't uh, read the story, I think we've talked about this it, in a previous yeah. episode. It's also in the yeah. Encyclopedia Eorzea. Yep. Um, if you want more information about it, just let us know. We'll be more than happy to explain the situation to you. Uh, yeah, air. this is one probably best done like in the Discord or something, just because there's a lot of little side aspects and other things, and it'd be good to go into detail on that. But, so yes, join us this week. Yeah, yeah. But um, what what this also brings up now is, you know, we we fought pro the proto ultima, uh, not proto ultima. The what did, what did they call it in the uh, um, end game or the the end of five point two bit? Oh no, that was called Proto Ultima. Was it a Proto Ultima? No, I thought there was. No, I thought Proto Ultima was the one that floated on Nazis Law. Might have been. No, let me check. I would say I'd look, but I know Sarah's gonna. Yeah, whatever the fight was at as when we were fighting it as um. Uh, Estinian. Oh, Arch Ultima. Yes, that. Um, you know, we we during that bit of the fight, we see you know them calling out different programs, so. This is yeah, it a talks about like loading a data set, I think 12 or something, or XII, and then it used some stuff that was related to one of the 12 fights. Yep, stuff um, like that. So, this is more of a permanent um program that is based off of information that they uh pulled on Nail Van Darnus, but the version from Coil. So this what does that mean for us on these uh, upcoming fights holy shit <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was like uh we're fighting a we're fighting an ultimate weapon which i mean now we're kind of like oh yeah the ultimate weapon the thing at the end of msq roulette lol no the original fight was really annoying and super hard yeah. Now we're having to do this again. Nail is coming after us again. <coughs> uh Nero was kind of freaking out when he saw what we were doing and it's like this could get really ugly. We're only on 5-2. Based on how our cycle works, we're sitting on another year and 4 months for this expansion. There's a lot of stuff to do. If our fights are this hard now, what's December look like? <laughs> It's yeah, gonna be the awesome. fact that they led with Nail uh, Deus Darnus. Yeah, that's... It's always really nice. Like It's an RPG thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you get a mini-boss or a final boss that you're like, gosh, this is really hard. It took, like, 12 turns to kill it. And then, like, way later in the game, that boss shows up 
as a as just a regular chump thing that you one hit and you're like oh okay that's kind of a good way to show the player how much more powerful you've gotten that you can kill that boss as a regular mob now in an mmo like this that's so long and has such a big overarching story to bring a final multiple final bosses together at a midpoint is that same kind of like okay we can still beat it we can push forward but that fight was hard. It yeah. was not a pushover like we normally end up seeing in JRPGs. Yeah, this was not about showing you how far you've come. It's about a, hey, remember this nightmare? It's back. Hey, remember when this sucked? It still sucks. Also, your healers are dead. Good luck. Woo! And yes, the battle does begin again in earnest as Nail pitches a variety of attacks at us, summoning the specter of uh, Dalamud in a twisted mockery of the original Meteor Project. Even our surroundings are affected by this, with moments from the seventh Umbral Calamity dotted around the arena as echoes of Rise of the White Raven play. And if you haven't had a chance, uh, if you can like do the fight, take a moment to look around the edges of the arena, take a moment to watch as the various things go off. There's a lot of callbacks to those original days of the Calamity. Or to that end of an era video. Yeah, it's Were you online where... I was going to say, you guys were online at the end of 1.0, right? I yep. wasn't playing it at the time. Okay. I was. Yeah. It, uh, it's disturbing. Yeah. But no, it's I'm, disturbing I'm familiar with what, what right I've seen videos of the, the final days in the game, you know, but uh, I'm just thinking back more to like the turn nine when everything just right after the meteor phase and everything just goes ashen and it's just very, very dark and very ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this definitely brought back some memories that I was like, I had to like pause a moment and like practice controlling my breathing during just like, oh my God, what's happening? Oh God, it's the calamity again. Oh God, you can actually see the moon falling and there's a gauge uh, listed as Dalamud Reborn. I didn't like that gauge. <laughs> Full spoilers. I did not like that gauge. It's like, don't name things like that. I still have issues telling people at the end of 1.0. It was a very, very well done fight, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If like, it's as a set piece, whatever the feelings they were trying to inspire, well yeah. done. If it's bastards. eliciting these emotions from people, they did it right. Oh, yeah, most definitely. If you're if your game doesn't elicit, elicit an emotional response, something might be wrong. Now, that emotional response can be positive or negative, but you want that emotional, visceral response that people have so that we go, oh, crap, and we feel it in our chest when we're like, I don't want to deal with Dalamud again. Like, I just don't. But we also want to see it as the, oh, it's this guy again. Has he gotten his crap together? We've beaten him once. Like, we want to have all of those emotions come out, and they did it in this one fight. It's incredible. Yeah. Craziness. Huh. Yeah. So, after a battle, we once again prevail over the monstrosity, and Gaius arrives on the scene, as do three unfamiliar Ara, Garlean forces that Gaius identifies as Alphonse, Ali, and Rex. The four trade tense words, the Ara referring to Gaius as father and begging him to return to Garlemald and return things to the way they were. Our echo shows us a scene of Ara children, orphans of the Imperial occupied territory of Werelin, in and raised by Gaius, and they vow to repay him by becoming soldiers of the Empire, 
brothers and sisters fighting for the same cause. Back at the Cinder Drift, Gaius is horrified to find that the Ruby Weapons pilot was Melisandia, another of the orphans. He and the erstwhile orphans each blame the other for the death of their sister. The Aral declare that their next meeting will be as enemies before departing. Sid arrives on the scene to investigate the wreckage. And as Gaius goes to find someone to escort him to the weapon, Sid tells us about Gaius's long-standing habit of seeking out talent and nurturing it, as he muses on their encounter at the Praetorium. A short time later, he, Sid returns with the results of his investigation, describing it as a perversion of science and nature, the likes of which he has never seen. According to his accounts, Melisandia's body was fused with the core of the weapon, her life essence drained to power the machine. Gene. He also yeah. notes that the data based on the combat capabilities of Nail Van Darnis was used to override the pilot's consciousness. The process seems akin to how soul crystal crystals can transmit knowledge, but on a much more powerful scale, a process that Estinian saw in his encounter with the Arch Ultima sample. As to where such data could have been obtained, given that the Legatus perished over five years ago, no answer is forthcoming. At this point, with nothing further to do with the Cinder Drift, we return to the Alliance HQ to recover, where three, two other scenes play out. Uh, Valdolin, of uh, Gaius's other uh, follower, comments on Gaius's encounter with the orphans, before reminding him of an earlier agreement. If the Black Wolf thinks of returning to Garlemald, Valdolin will kill him. So the relationship between Gaius and his followers seems to be more complex than it... Uh, uh, may have appeared at first blush. And, back at the Werelit Magitech installation, the orphans discuss their situation with cryptic references to the true nature of the weapon project and having come too far to back down now. A confident Rex reminds them that he'll be next to the battlefield as the pilot of the Sapphire weapon, leaving Allie to worry that another of her brothers-in-arms will be lost. After seeing all that, the title Sorrow of Werelit made lost to me, I have to say. Yeah, that it definitely drove home the, the sorrow portion of this. Yeah. I was sort of wondering what the title was going for, what it was trying to elicit, and here we go. It's, oh, it is painful. It is a sorrowful thing. It just kind of took us to the end of this part of it. But this isn't the end of the story. No. Uh if it's following our usual structure for these things, we'd have two more trials and possibly some other stuff. Like with the Four Lords, we had a couple dungeons that we did. They might have other content. The uh, Rex, who's going to be the, is uh, identified as a part of the Sapphire Weapon, does have blue hair. And we've got another Aura with green hair. So that might be an eventual Emerald Weapon. Was there something I was gonna with say silver hair? We've got two with silver hair. So, I mean, I mean, because there was also, you know, diamond weapon. Right. And it's possible that some of this might be in, like, some type of solo or some other type of thing going on. Or they might do a trial. I don't know. See, now, there wasn't an, a, a sapphire weapon in 7. Uh, there was. It could... was one that you only see in a cutscene. Okay. But it wasn't one we fought. Correct. Uh, it approaches uh, Juno by water. Uh, Juno uh, blasts it with the cannon. Uh, it does get destroyed, but not before smashing a hole in the place where Tifa is being held in the execution chamber, and that gives her her chance to escape. Oh, I thought that that was diamond there still. Nope. 
Diamond is the one that was marching towards Midgar. Okay. All right. I just I do remember seeing a, a weapon at the, I remember the weapon at the Junon cannon. I just couldn't remember. I thought for some reason I thought it was oh, Diamond. Junon. Oh, Junon. I said Juno. Wow, that takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong I was game. wondering what was happening, but I was like, I Wrong need some meds, so it's fine. Yeah, I didn't, e- <laughs> and I didn't even hear you say Juno, because I was I had Junon in the head, but uh... yeah, no, the Junon can and blasted sapphire weapon. At, okay, uh, so yeah, okay, so there was one we just didn't get to fight it, uh, like we got to fight Diamond, and uh, so we, we we fought in seven, uh, Diamond, Ruby, um, Emerald, and Ultima. Yep. Okay. Uh, I have been making some jokes about how clearly when we face Emerald Weapon, it will have Air Tam Storm, which will insta-kill anyone with pentamelded gear. I... Oh, no, they have to have a certain uh, materia melded to their gear. (laughs) They probably wouldn't do that, but the idea... (laughs) That would be Uh, just those Fire resistance. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think you can get that anymore. You can't. They actually deleted it from the game. Yeah. Uh, for those who are not familiar, in the original FF7, Emerald Weapon had an uh, ability called Air Tam Storm. Air Tam being spelled backwards. That would do 1,111 damage to a character for each materia they had equipped. Since most of the time you would have a full loadout, this meant it would do max damage and it one-shot anyone. <laughs> Unless you knew the fight going in and you did some jank, but <laughs> no, not usually. <sighs> so we're we gonna have to carry around uh, an underwater materia then. <laughs> God, or, or the fight's only gonna last for twenty minutes. I mean, would they have have some way where we have to fight it underwater? Would that even be a thing? Well, we can. Well, we get to play the submarine mini game. <gasps> My submersibles. Well, the, oh, you know, it, it is something they could bring out when they bring out Blitzball. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, never? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can dream, can't we? Right. Um, this storyline is, I mean, it. when I first played through this, I mean, it, it hit me in the feels. It really yeah. did. It was yeah. intense this in a lot good. of ways I was not expecting. I think this might be one of my favorite pieces of the patch is just this particular side story because it's so potent, because it's so good. All right. Nick Nar in the chat saying that the, the Kojin blessing is the underwater materia. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of hitting all the stuff for a giant mecha anime as well. Like that entire launch sequence, the fact that these things are being piloted by traumatized child soldiers. And it, it steals their souls and, and, and drains them of all of their energy to, uh, to, to function. Yeah. Like classic uh, giant mecha anime right here. Yeah, I'm watching uh, for like the fourth time or something ridiculous. I'm watching Aldo a Zero. And my roommates keep walking past and they have no idea what's going on because it's one of those like everything is wrong and high school students are the are the salvation. So it's robots, but they're all in like school uniforms, but everybody's really terrible. So it's one of those like, no, no, don't worry. It gets sad later. That's how the show works. 
Yeah, uh, like child soldiers. Child soldiers get traumatized. This isn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't the first time that they've been, they've had uh, child soldiers in in the game. I mean, look at uh, eight. That was all child soldiers. Yeah, the entire thing about the Guardian forces erasing memories was a like being child soldier destroying their memory, like childhood. They just didn't get to pilot uh, uh, Max. They just got to fly around gardens. <laughs> At least it didn't steal their souls. I mean, it took away their memories, so... Mm, yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh no, like, it took away our memories, except for the dude with a gun that can't hit the broadside of a bar, and he seems fine. I mean, yeah, he hadn't been a part of the thing. He wasn't equipping Guardian Forces regularly. And thus he got to be a soldier at a reasonable age. No, I just said that (laughs) sentence and I hate myself for it. I was going to say, like, you are aware what happened just. (laughs) You're a bad and you should feel bad. I do. I do feel bad. (laughs) Sarah's crying. Show's over, everybody. We got this. (sighs) Well, (laughs) I'm looking forward to more of this. And, you know, with the weapons that, that are still potentially available, I mean, so this is 5.2. We could get one in 5.3, 5.4, and maybe even 5.5. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised if they do a full set. Like, the, for the trial sets they've done, they had the Warring Triad. They had the Four Lords, of which we face three in Trials. So three seems to be the usual thing for it, but also they often add on some other little content. So maybe they just do a fourth trial. I don't know. We also are only getting one dungeon per patch now. Right. So like, we're not sure where that development went. Maybe we're going to see a lot more stuff because this felt a lot bigger than the Warring Triad did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More cutscenes, more stuff to do, more in-between quests for just plot development and this feels like more as opposed to the one before where it was like hey you beat it yeah cool we found another one let me know when you want to fight it god that what dalamud sequence yeah the yeah the dalamud sequence specifically was so, very questionable let's do a little speculating sapphire weapon what are they going to draw from for this so in terms of the fight itself with Ruby weapon, they had like they have the quicksand element, which was mostly a way to remove uh, characters in the uh, in the FF7 thing. In this case, but it was an, uh, an insta kill. Right. Uh, but they had it as like, a, hey, here's a battle mechanic you need to handle. Other stuff like that. Uh, so they had of uh, that for the Ruby weapon part before it went into that weird second part where mm-hmm. it's like, nope, it's a nail Van Darnus fight. Yep. But with Sapphire weapon, we don't really have anything to go off of as far as a, a fight mechanic or anything like that from a previous game. We just saw it in a cutscene. Right. So, I mean, it's going to give them carte blanche in order to uh, how they want to design the first half of the fight. But for the second half of the fight, what I'm wondering <laughs> is where is the inspiration going to be coming from? Where is the... Uh, the overwrite soul going to be coming from. Right. Uh, Thoughts? I have so one. I'll also, I'll also say for the first bit of the fight, they could have something where there's like some kind of duty action or something where there's cannon support that we need to take advantage of in the fight. That might be a way to incorporate the bit that they did have. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a water-based thing. I mean, it's, it's blue. 
maybe. I mean, wasn't that there feels a, a little too on the nose? Or was was there a lot of fire stuff based in? in, in I don't. I'm, it's been a while since I did the fight. So uh, it was in the desert around the gold salt. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, the fight in in uh, fourteen. Not a well, fire heavy. No, it wasn't really fire heavy, which okay. means emerald. I mean, what would you do for emerald? Yeah, yeah. emerald is was the one that was actually underwater. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was just lots of zipping around the battlefield and like the quicksand and the claws whipping around and stuff like that. Grimhelm saying Thoradin. <laughs> oh, yeah, Thoradin, where we basically just got to a thing happen while we were there pushing well, buttons. Well, no, they're going to end up. Um, yeah, oh, <laughs> all of the, the, the knights of the round are going to come out and uh, or, or something mm -hmm. like that to. Uh... If they manage that, I would really want to know how they got that combat done. Right, so combat data. Um, I've recently been doing some weird research on like stuff about really old games. Uh, I dug into the original history of Prince of Persia, and they explained how they built Shadow Man for the original game. And that also led to things like Dark Link. And I think you guys see where this logic train is going. Hmm. So you're thinking I would be a, a dark version of a Warrior of Light? Or our combat I'm, data? I'm thinking we already have a warrior of light that they could use the data from. And I don't think it's us. I think it's Ardbert. They, How would they even they, get that? They wouldn't have that. You're right. Uh, unless they, they got it from the, the Asians. Why not? Are you thinking that... I mean, that's, that's our wizard did it excuse for everything in 14. But why not? I mean, how did that even work? The Asians have been working with you know, very close with the Garleans on all of this. It, he, he, yeah, that's possible, I guess. I'm Imagine we have to fight Ardbert as a giant robot. That would be horrible. No, thank you. I don't want that. I'm not sure how that, what kind of mechanics that they would put into that. I mean, because they had a lot to pull off of for the, the, the Van Darnus half of the fight. You know, there was a lot. I mean, it was very turn nine reminiscent plus, you know, end of uh, uh, an era kind of things. So, mm -hmm. oh, uh, I actually just if they want to have something like playing up the entire uh, situation with Gaius and with the orphans, could they maybe use Gaius's combat data? That was another thought. I mean, that I've seen people uh, throw out there specifically, like I said, when they were talking about this out on um, on the lore train. We have uh, to fight Gaius Van Belsar. They have his combat data from, I don't know, like they, they like, like took a copy in his in, sleep or something? Or? The one in, or it might have been just like standard stuff back when he was a part of the Empire. What if? The one, Gaius in 1.0 was frightening. It took all of the Scions working together to even land a single hit on him. What if this isn't Gaius? What huh. if this is a clone of the original Gaius. Huh. I. Huh. My brain just exploded. <laughs> I got nothing. That I mean, sounds awesome. I, mean, think, I want that. I mean, think about it. I mean, we know they can make uh, construct bodies. I mean, we, look at all those um, oh, yeah. soulless right. bodies. The, the soulless, soulless bodies. <laughs> uh, um, what if your room. they are able to take this combat data from their generals 
save it and then insert it into these soulless bodies. Maybe. So what, they have oh, an infinite supply of generals with an infinite supply of the same data and information and skills? That definitely sounds like a Garlean idea. Yeah. Garlemald, why you do this? Because they're awful, and we love them as a writing construct, but they're awful. <laughs> I, I, okay, oh. I am surprised. See, I literally just thought of this now. Why has nobody thought of this before? Oh, please no, please no. Make the stop happen. <laughs> I just came up with an idea so amazing it hurts your heads. Oh, head, heart, you know, whichever. <laughs> or or both. Why not both? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, like I said, this is all it, it, all stemming from uh, old, uh, b -b 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 what are they called? Um, Allegan technology, right? Didn't they have something like this that uh, would cause, or would, would that could uh, copy a soul? Um, I mean, like, they had cloning type stuff, but it's weird. But may like I said, with the help of the Asians, maybe they were able to take it a step further. You know, the, the, with the, the, the Asians' help, uh, Magitech. And uh, Ceruleum, they're able to make, make you know, copies of the brain. Who knows? Uh... Yeah, Sarah's broken <laughs> now. But seriously, you guys, think on that. Could that be something we see moving forward? Could it be something that's actually, that they're going to be writing into the game? That'd be fun. Wonderful. <laughs> Will we have more battlefields near the Gimlet Dark? Like, the Cinder Drift is clearly near it. It still has the whole, like, it's uh, dark out no matter what time you're there. Like, are we continue, going to continue to have skirmishes on the front lines here, or are they maybe going to come uh, at us from other angles? Well, that's actually a good question, too. I would bet it's going to be in the Alamigo area around here, so in the border between Alamigo and the uh, the Garlean Empire, where we're currently uh. got the battlefield, the front line. But who knows? Like I said, they, theoretically, they could probably send this thing anywhere on Eorzea. That's a scary thought. They could probably send it over to uh, Authored as well. I mean, they could probably send it anywhere in Heidelin. Yeah, so I guess it's mostly a question of what is it that... Like, who is the command... Oh, they're in charge of the 7th, and what is their deal? Like, the Seventh has always been a bit of an interesting one. They followed Nail uh, Van Darnus fanatically. Like, even when he went rogue with this meteor project, they worshipped him as a de or her, well, posing as him. They worshipped uh, the Legatus as a deity. And even though most of them seem to have been wiped out at cart, no, those that remain seem to still be pursuing something. <laughs> Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> well, you got plenty of time to think about this. It's true, it's true. All right, let's go ahead and put a pin in on that, because we could just continue to make Sarah go, Oh, yeah. no, oh, no, oh, I was no. going to say, if we, can make Sarah cry, if we can make Sarah cry one more time, then we get to turn it in, and we see if we get any uh, gold saucer points. Oh, my. <laughs> 
I am not a fucking Koopa of Fortune scratch off. <laughs> Does this mean I don't get my hat? I'm not sure if it was a high enough collectible quality, though. Wow. I hate you all so much right now. <laughs> because we care. I am leaning on my pop filter right now. This is probably not good for it. No, don't do that. But the audio quality was good. <laughs> Remember, you right. lean forward forever. Eat the microphone. Yes, eat the nom, microphone. Nom, 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 nom. This cannot be hygienic. Well, that's why you have the pop filter to, to keep the hygiene away. Or just don't let anybody else use your mic. That's all. Oh, no, they yeah. can use the mic. They just have to stay six feet away from it. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So I think that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode. Yep. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to find us and lets us know what you think of our show. Um, if you really dig the show, please consider subscribing here at Twitch. Um, you'll get access to a number of emotes and subscriber badges. We're also working on some bits uh, badges. That's a new thing that Twitch has recently enabled. Uh, we can uh, create special badges for those of you who want to show your support by using bits. Um, look forward to those in the future. Or if you want to support us out on Patreon, like our amazing friend Arori Fenrir, you can uh, go out to patreon.com slash phoenixtownradio and uh, give us uh, some support there. Also, proceeds go towards growing the show, cover things like hosting costs, and allow us to do some fun things like the giveaways and things like that. But whatever type of support you give us, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, or retweets, follows, subs, or donations, they're always greatly appreciated. And we love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to check out our backlog of uh, podcasts as well as a few articles that we've written, you can go out to our website, phoenixdownradio.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the show, go ahead and email us at podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. Uh, follow us out on Twitter at PHXDN Radio and make sure that if you have a story to share, tag it with hashtag Phoenix Down Pick Me Up and you may have a chance to win one of those Phoenix Down keychains from Loot Cave. Um, and make sure you follow us here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Down Radio. Shout outs, guys. Who wants to start? I'll start. So I've got a couple shout outs this week. Uh, first off, I want buddies for during Ishgard restoration uh, who with whom we traded materials and also just uh, made pleasant conversation into the wee hours of the morning as we made our quiches and stoves and I forget what she was anyways also uh, shout out to Rockle Montaigne Sian Tia Magnus Aurelian and Isra Isillan, uh, all of whom uh, I believe actually managed to place in the top 12 so congratulations to all of you wow yeah, no, they went at it pretty hard. It was great. Or actually, maybe I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, they deserve that. It was awesome. <laughs> no, they almost cool. got through a whole show. <laughs> also, a uh, shout out to uh, Sophia Deershell, who was also doing some crafting and is also a fishing buddy of mine, and who was kind enough to give me an extra Dalmel whistle that she won in the Coupo of Fortune. Oh, cool. Really kind of you. It was nice. I also want to shout out in Austin. Uh, it's a little sad that we didn't get together for our usual cooking, but they did gift me a copy of Monster Hunter on Steam that I was, uh, so I've been able to play with them a bit the past few days, and that's Sweet. helped a lot. Uh, 
So for those of you who want to drop me a line, give suggestions for future lore segments or other things you'd like to hear about, uh, in addition to our Discord server, you can always find me on Twitter at FF14SARE. That's F-F-X-I-S-E-Y-R-R. You cut out a little I bit, mostly... so it's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R. Oh, yes. Thank you for that. I mostly post random pictures of things I was cooking or stuff that I found while working at the library. So I guess there's going to be a bit less of that for a while. Maybe you'll but find yes. something really cool on a walk sometime. Yeah. Maybe I'll start doing like pictures or short uh, things or whatever from uh, walks. Been trying to take more walks lately, and that's been nice. But yes, always happy to hear from you. I love uh, talking about the lore of this game, and if you have questions about lore stuff, I'm always looking for inspiration for a segment. So looking forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Thank you. Talas? Uh, Shoutouts go to... Let me think. Where's my list of shoutouts? I don't know where the list is. Anyway, uh, shoutouts go to Ruby Honoka, who is currently trapped in Yokohama and desperately needs to get out. Uh, Ruby, I hope that you are soon free and return to the realm of being able to heal by getting into an apartment that doesn't have terrible Wi-Fi that is included in your rent. Rip. Uh, shoutouts to Mary Matsuri and her awesome housing tours, which she's doing a lot of because she's currently not working at the school she was at for obvious reasons. Mm. Shoutouts to Bannon Maelstrom, who just straight up gave me a Kupo knit hat. Uh, yeah, that was cool, so appreciate that. Um, and shoutouts to... Let's see, who's in the Twitch chat that I haven't shouted out for a while? Uh, dude, it's Antonio! Shoutouts to Dude, it's Antonio for being the third name on the list, I guess. Um, <laughs> nice. Why not? I can't. It's an uh, illustrious position. Yes. It is. Absolutely. It is. So, uh, thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TalizMarvelous. That's T-A-L-I-Z Marvelous. I post complete nonsense. So, good luck and have fun with that. He's not wrong. Is true. He is very yeah. true. And I want to shout out these two knuckleheads, uh, Talas and Sarah. Thank you so much for uh, joining me again for a, an awesome discussion. Oh, hmm? sorry. I just remembered one more I want to shout out. Uh, Vasha Solari, uh, Spender's brother, who crafted me a full set of high quality facet uh, clothing and tools. Like, seriously, thank you so much. That's Holy awesome. crap. Awesome. That is super good. Yeah, that, that, Dude, that's a few million gil right there. So. Dude Easily. loves crafting and like uh, his uh, Fisher and a lot of his crafters were in their 70s before he finished the ultimate weapon. <laughs> yeah. How the shit do you even do that? He really likes that sort of thing. He was good at playing the markets and he's not a fan of doing stuff with other people. Hey, do what you do. Play the game the way you want to play it. Yeah. No, like That's the beautiful the, thing about this game. 5-2 mm -hmm. launched, and he put Spender in a uh, full-crafted uh, Neo-ish Guardian gear. Very cool. Can I continue now? Yes, sorry. <laughs> Wanted to make sure to shout him out because that was really awesome. So there's you two. Shout out to Rory for being awesome and hanging out with me as I'm streaming and, and just helping to keep people uh, engaged in the game. Uh, you and uh, Ivy, I Ivy Ascent, you guys are amazing to play with. Thank you so much. Um, 
Shout outs to the crazy party on uh, Twitch Sings that I had last night. Uh, to everybody who joined in on that, that was a lot of fun. You can go check out some of the craziness from last night's six-hour uh, Twitch Sings stream. It's crazy. Oh my God! I hope you are all hydrating. Oh, I, I've got, I've got, I keep a half gallon of water at my desk at all times. So yes. Okay, good. And, like and, if you're singing that much, you better hydrate. Well, the the nice thing about the parties is you're splitting it amongst four to six people, depending on how many people you have joining you. So you're not singing every single song. Okay, good. So, and and plus you get to do really crazy stuff like you, you make each other sing songs from the 70s or stuff like that. We had a contest between three of us uh, as to who had the better version of uh, Chris Isaac's Wicked uh, Game. Ooh. I won. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that it's just really really fun so shout out to to those guys um like i said check it out um on vod if you want because it was a, a good time uh shout out to everybody who is listening out on the podcast and everybody here live at twitch.tv slash phoenix down radio we really do appreciate you and you are the reason why we continue to do this Thank you for being here. Yes, and if you do need anything, you can join us on our Discord. Uh, you can tweet us. At, uh, you can tweet me at phxdn underscore klauss. Um, and this is, again, if you need anything, if you have any questions, if you're having issues, anything like that. Reach out. We are here to try and help you in any way we can, whether that's to uh, just be a voice to listen, whether it's to maybe direct you to a resource that can help you out. Um, don't be afraid. Um, we are a good community. Um, this, this entire Final Fantasy 14 community is amazing. This whole Final Fantasy community is amazing. And I, I want to say our Phoenix Down Radio family is amazing. So everybody here, um, we're here to help. And if you can somehow help somebody in need, please do. Because... Uh, yeah. This is a time that's going to test us in a lot of ways and a lot of stuff that we uh, haven't necessarily thought about or prepared for. Exactly. So that's uh, that community, that sense of looking out for and helping each other, providing support in whatever way we can, that's going to be critical there. So, so we want to provide that and uh, we want all of you to feel like if you need help that you can come to us. Yep. So, and we mean that. It, we're not just touting this because we have a position as content creators. No, we... Literally, us three dudes who were talking pre and post show and during the week. We literally mean this. If you need something, let us know. We can do what we can. And any, like I said, it's also anybody in our Phoenix Down family who who have a um want need help. So we Absolutely. love you guys. Yep. Stay safe, stay healthy, and, and and we'll get through this. So for my co-hosts, Sarah Tomono for. Tal is marvelous. I'm Klaus Nightbringer. Wishing everybody a wonderful evening. You guys take care. See you around. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at YouTube.com slash GuitarWanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.